Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host Phil Smith, aka Phil of Filipino, joined as always with my partner in crime, James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. Jay, we are here with a very special episode early on this week because of course some very, very interesting news dropped just today. Uh, The date of recording is Sunday, March 15th. But before we get into it, Jay, uh, how are you doing in a pretty eventful sports weekend? Yeah, man, this is this is crazy. I was saying on Twitter the other day, like, I'm going to have to be one of the OGs that lives through this as a journalist. And you, too, you know, you, you're part of the media, too, now. And, you know, when we're older, we're going to have to tell our people about this. You know, the time where there was literally no sports being uh, no sports activities around the nation and, and you know, a time like this where things are being postponed and delayed and, and what have you, because really it really hasn't been a time like this in history until I guess you could say a lot of people have made reference to the Olympics that had to be canceled uh, because one of the world wars or something to that effect. But in terms of recent history, we haven't had to deal with this. And this is kind of an interesting thing, but uh, we're going to help the people get through it, man, and, and talk some Jags and, and keep them entertained until football is back on. Yeah, you make a really good point. It's just such an interesting time in our, uh, you know, in, in our lives right now for for everybody in and out of sports, of course. And it's just been a really, really wild last few days. But that being said, even though there's not any actual sports going on, there's still an abundance of sports news and a lot of that pertaining to the Jacksonville Jaguars and, of course, that news that broke today, which we'll get into in just a moment. Before we get started, though, do want to make sure that you guys are checking out the podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. And if you enjoy the show, make sure that you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, we are also at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. So we will get right into it here. Jay, as mentioned, this is just a special recording we wanted to get out as soon as possible. Today, news breaking that the Jacksonville Jaguars have sent veteran defensive end Calais Campbell to the Baltimore Ravens for a fifth round pick. Um, according to NFL Network insiders Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport. And, uh, of course, that stir- has stirred up quite a bit of conversation on social media from the Jacksonville Jaguar faithful. Um, Clayus Campbell, of course, a locker room leader. You know, he just com- is just now coming off his Walter Payton Man of the Year award, um, had a also a, a Pro Bowl MVP, just an all-around well-liked guy. Of course, he has that local TV show that he does every single week. So just a lot of implications both on and off the field with this deal, Jay. So you see this news break. You know, we'll, we'll just get to this first. What were your initial reactions? Yeah, it caught me off guard because I was writing down or I was typing up some things about the CBA, which we'll actually talk on as well. Uh, feel free to check out what we have on jaguars.com on that. That's jaguarswire.usatoday.com. Uh, but yeah, I was in the process of that. And then I get a notification uh, from my buddies that's with um, USA Today. We all are in like this group chat with Slack 
And uh, it's the tweet from uh, Ian Rappaport. And then I look further into it. Tom Pelissero is assisting him with the report. And I was like, whoa, that was a shocker. I didn't see that coming. But then like when I just sat back and like took it all in, I understood it from the fact that uh, the, the Jaguars had been trying to. Well, at least we know for a known fact last year that they tried to renegotiate his deal with him. Um, so this just seems like a simple case of where the Jaguars didn't necessarily want to pay him $15 million or take a $15 million cap hit for him because, you know, maybe they felt he was declining or, or what have you, or maybe they just felt like while he was good, he wasn't $15 million good. Uh, so that being said, they decided to part ways. Um, who knows? Maybe they tried to renegotiate again this year because that has been brought up. I know him and Brent uh, Martineau talked about that in their interview uh, after the season. And, you know, he was telling them it has to make sense in terms of if I'm going to renegotiate a deal or take an extension, it has to make financial sense for me. And uh, maybe they had been trying that and couldn't find common ground, so to speak. And uh, now we're here. So they, they had to part ways with them and Obviously, it was a cap dump because, you know, they only got a fifth rounder in 2024. So that that shows you, you know, that it was probably a cap dump more than anything. It wasn't nothing against Calais or none of that. It's, it's just business. And and in terms of the Ravens, you know, we've done business with them before. It was the Luke Boanko trade. Uh, it was the Hayden Hurst rumors that we had been hearing about. And for all we know, they still might be trying to make that happen. Uh, so, you know, and there's even... Uh, some people and and this is nothing concrete or nothing that we're reporting or or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of people have thrown the Ravens name out there for Yannick and Gakoy as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's really good to have a, a business partner like the Ravens that actually, you know, like the Jags front office and like doing business with the Jags front office. Uh, because as we all know, like the Ravens are pretty much if you want to like look within the next the, or the last what 20 or so years, they're the best front office to do it. So. You know, at least, you know, that that's a bit of mutual respect between those two sides uh, that we keep showing up during Dave Caldwell's tenure. You know, and it's it's funny because just last week when we were talking about the A.J. Boye trade, I mentioned, you know, that it's kind of a sad time for Jaguar fans because of, of all the turnover that we've seen here in just such a short amount of time. And now with the mayor of Saxonville now on the move, it's incited a lot of emotion within the fan base. And I, and I definitely understand that because he's one of the guys he was really between him and Malik Jackson, you know, he was him, AJ boy, Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell. They were the guys that, that kind of started this trend is to kind of show that, Hey, it's okay to sign with Jacksonville. It's okay to come here and try to build something. And that is what they did. And now, you know, they're all gone and that's just, that's very sad. And we're like, we, you know, we've said before we're heading into this, this new era of Jaguar football. And, um, you know, you look at, they just add Clayus to the list, you know, of AJ Boye, Jalen Ramsey, Tevin, uh, uh, Telvin Smith, Clayus Campbell. Now of um, all these guys that are now gone, Blake Bortles, even, you know, the, all these guys that are now gone from that 2017 season. And it's just kind of sad uh, to see. And, you know, I, I it's going to be an interesting year for sure. It seems like there's certainly either. And then we're going to talk about this here on this upcoming week's episode, Jay, about what we think they may do as far as free agency. And they're either gearing up for something big or they're just 100% all in on this rebuild. And uh, yeah, we will see where it goes. But I know uh, there's a, a couple more things you wanted to add on, add on here. 
Yeah, I think it's a little bit, this situation is a little bit easier for us to accept if people in our shoes, like me and you, and and maybe even Jacob, you know, I want to speak for Jacob, but maybe even him, if you felt that Jaguars probably weren't going to be a winning team next year. Now, if you had hope and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, we're just looking at it how it is and looking at the roster and looking at the state, this, the franchise is. If you were looking at it and thinking that the Jaguars could win, uh, yeah, this this really, really does hurt you, you know, and I can understand that from that perspective. But, you know, I don't think me and you or a lot of people in the media necessarily had high expectations for the Jags this year. And therefore, I'm kind of fine with Calais going off to especially the Ravens, where a team where he can win and a team where he can probably get a ring, you know, like he got an extension. So he got a little time too to get a ring. You know, we, we seen what they done with Lamar Jackson and all of the guys they got over there, they're ascending team. So from that perspective, you know, you got to be happy for the guy because you didn't want him sitting here another year, wasting another year of his career at 33 years of age uh, and, and possibly not getting anywhere because again, like, most people in the media and, and, and even me and you, like we've talked about this too. Like we, at the most we're looking at, we feel like at least six wins, five wins, even maybe less than that now. Uh, so, you know, he probably wasn't going to achieve much here uh, in a, which what could be a, essentially a lame duck year. And I guess, you know, time will tell if he uh, gets the ring that he wants because he's been doing it a minute and he does deserve one. Uh, but from that perspective, you can't help but be happy for him. Absolutely. And that's one of the first things that I tweeted out is just I hope that he is able to get that ring because he's a guy who absolutely deserves it. You know, he went through all he went through in Arizona. Then he came here and it appeared that, you know, maybe he was going to be part of something special. And then, of course, it just did not pan out, unfortunately, but still remained a guy that was still positive through all of this and just a true professional and you don't win Walter Payton Man of the Year on accident. I can tell you that. That's not a fluke award. So good for him. And yeah, I, I know I'm speaking for quite a few fans when we definitely wish him the best and hope that he can get that ring with with a team you know that has a guy in Lamar Jackson who is viewed as you know he's coming off an MVP campaign. Of course, they fell short in the playoffs. Uh, they ran into the the Tennessee Titans, who were just hot at the time. And I, I think this is a good move for Calais. And and hopefully, I think, J.J., this is something that we talked about before we got started with A.J. going to Denver, which is a place he wanted to go, but also sending Calais to a destination. And, you know, and, and pe- people may need to, fans need to think about this, maybe. Maybe this is where Calais wanted to go. We may have had other offers on the table, maybe even better offers from, you know, a, a, a destination that wouldn't be so desirable. But them sending them to sending him to Baltimore, I think, sends a clear message that, hey, we are trying to kind of write uh, fix this image that Jacksonville has had over the last couple of years. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I like that. You know, I, I like that because they were uh, building this reputation the wrong way um, when Tom Coughlin was in the. Uh, front office and you know he he's never really been I guess I'm not saying nothing that nobody knows he's never been a guy that really abided by the CBA rules or been an ally of the NFLPA I guess the, is the best way to put it so with him gone you know I, I think the Jaguars and dare I say even Shot Khan and, and Dave Caldwell they know that they have to repair this image that has been placed upon them 
over the last two years or three years or so. Uh, they know they have to fix that. And, and it's it's good to see that they're doing the players right, especially like the guys like A.J. Boye and the guys like Calais who were good figures to the community as well. Just think about it. If they just ship these guys off unknowingly uh, to terrible teams, you know, that that wouldn't be a good way to do business. And, and the fans would probably frown upon that. I don't think anybody would be OK with seeing uh, a player done wrong in that way. So that being said, uh, from that perspective, although they only got a fifth round pick, like you said, you got to give kudos for Dave uh, for actually what possibly looks to be him maybe taking a lesser offer to uh, maybe satisfy some players that were good to the organization. So just to address some of the, uh, you know, just been skimming through social media. And of course, as I mentioned already, people are are very emotional and that's understandable because Calais is a guy that, uh, you know, just really embedded himself into this fan base in a very short amount of time. And, you know, his play on the, between his play on the field and his actions off the field. And let's just, we, I think we've already kind of addressed it a little bit, but you know, people are wondering why we only got a fifth round pick for him. And we've kind of addressed that already. You know, he was, he was an aging player. He's as far as his production, it is down and he was due to make a lot of money. And I know people are going to be upset because why some people are saying, you know, why haven't we traded Yannick Ngakwe instead, or why haven't we traded Nick Foles or Andrew Norwell? And you know what? Those things are probably coming. All right. (laughs) Just there. We didn't, you know, AJ happened and then now, now Calais. And I I think we're in the midst of a fire sale here, Jay, and I'm interested to, uh, to hear what you think, but just because these things are happening and other things have not happened yet, does not mean that those other things are still not going to happen. You know, the league year hasn't even officially started and we'll talk on that a little bit here in just a moment, as far as the new CBA, but just because some of these things are happening right now, it does not negate the other things that are probably still going to happen. Jan is still going to be moved. We're still going to try and move Nick Foles. Some other pieces are probably going to be gone, but (laughs) look at this thing as, you know, in the bigger picture, not in just a vacuum that that's, I guess that's my message for the fan base right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, because I mean, if you, if they have the wherewithal or, or they even consider trading Calais Campbell, then you have to think nobody's off limits. I mean, you just about nobody's off limits. I would assume like DJ Chark and Gardner Minshew and, and Josh Allen are probably the mo- most untouchable players at the moment because they're so young and like, their nucleus pieces essentially and, and pro bowl talents and, and in Gardner Minshew's case, a, a very, uh, very, very affordable quarterback that gave you decent place. So I would assume those guys are, they are off limits, but aside from them, you got to think like the Jaguars could be shopping anybody to any team. Um, And again, hopefully, you know, they do these players right that they're going to shop or, if they're going to shop any more players and, and send them off, hopefully they do them right. Uh, but yeah, this, this feel like this is far from the end in terms of what they could be brewing up and uh, what the future holds. Yeah. So just kind of looking forward a little bit, Jay. So what does this mean now, as far as the, the cap implications and how does this affect, you know, this obvious rebuild that we are heading towards? Um, and, you know, with all this draft capital now, I, I mean, it's, and and all this money now that they are going to be going into free agency, you know, if if they can somehow pull off what they did, you know, in 2016, 2017, you could be looking at a quick rebuild. I don't think that's realistic. And I think that fans should have and I think they already have kind of tempered expectations. But with all this draft capital now and they're building up this money that they are going to have heading into the new league year, what do, what do things look like now? 
after this trade. So, yeah, I mean, I had been playing with the figures even before um, Calais Campbell was traded. You know, whether that was I never really thought of a scenario where he would be traded. But I have, you know, played with the numbers in terms of them releasing him and, you know, all of the other guys that we were expecting, Marquise Lee and uh, Boyer and maybe Avery Jones. And I've played with the figures and uh, I went to Spot Tracks roster calculator because they actually have the roster number right in terms of what each team is going to be given, which we'll talk about in the um, CBA discussion. Uh, but I think it's like one one hundred and ninety eight million that each team will be getting or one hundred and ninety six million or something like that. But spot track has that number down for each team. So it feels like it's the most accurate. And I put in all of this into the calculator, traded off Calais to the Baltimore Ravens. And right now they have the Jaguars at twenty seven point four million. Uh, so previously they were I think they were at like twelve point four million or something like that at the time. So, uh, you know, here they are moving back towards the 30 million mark, which they were actually at that mark when they cut Marcel Darius and Jake Ryan. However, Yannick and Gakwe's figure had to be put into their, uh, put into that number because of the, the franchise tag, obviously, which is right now. Spot track has that estimated, I think at like 18 million. So that took them back down into the teens. Uh, now they're back almost at the 30 million mark. Uh, you would have to think they're going to recoup the money uh, from Ngakwe as well if they trade him or, you know, this Calais deal, even, you know, dare I say, this Calais deal even gives them enough money to make Yannick Ngakwe the highest paid defensive end in football if they wanted to even attempt that. And I, I know all of us think he's all but gone and this, that, and the other. Uh, but the money is there if the Jaguars theoretically do want to say, hey, you know, we'll offer you to be the highest paid defensive end in football. If you don't want it, so be it. You know, we'll still trade you or whatever the case may be. Uh, but this is just one more attempt now that we have some freed up money at, at trying to keep you and, and possibly make you, you know, the franchise guy here. So, yep, that's where they're at. Twenty four points, twenty seven, excuse me, point four million. Uh, and you would only have to think that number is going to increase uh, when they get rid of guys like, again, Marquise Lee, Giao Swain, uh, possibly Avery Jones. And uh, I think those are like really the the big ones in, in terms of the cap casualties to watch heading forward as we get closer to the new league year on Wednesday. All right, Jay. So as far as the just moving on to the next question here, and uh, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this. So what happens now, I think the expectation is that we do move Yannick and Gakwe at some point during this offseason, recoup that money. I assume they'd want to do it sooner rather than later, and then also release those names that we just talked about. So what do you think is is about to happen? They've got all these draft picks. They're building up the cap space for the you know, is is there a guy that they're targeting either in free agency or the draft that maybe we don't quite know about? What what's your thought process here? What is going on? Yeah, as you did say. They are. Uh, this is a rebuild. Make no mistake about it. And I think they are looking at it. Although, you know, you were saying and, and it's a lot of people that probably agree that, you know, it's not going to be a quick rebuild. It's going to take, you know, it's going to take some time to to rebuild this thing. But I mean, think about it from this perspective. The Jacksonville Jaguars now have what, 11 picks uh, and they also have well, or they'll be looking at upwards of. 40 million in available cap space, maybe even more than 45 million when everything's all said and done. 
So they have a lot of money to blow and they have a lot of draft picks to address a lot of draft needs. You know, maybe we're looking at a situation similar to the Cleveland Browns when John Dorsey got there and went straight to work, whether that was making a lot of trades, um, whatever the case may be. When Dorsey got there, uh, he started bringing in Jarvis Landry, started putting pieces here and there. Now, albeit it blew up in their faces and it didn't work and Dorsey ended up getting fired. But he added a lot to that team in just one season is what I'm saying. And I think the Jaguars could do something similar. So what I'm saying is don't necessarily rule out them spending money in free agency just because this is a rebuild doesn't mean that they're going to lay low in free agency. Um, And we all have seen how fake and indispensable salary cap is. We repeat that over and over on this podcast. Uh, The moves that we've seen over the last three weeks are proof of that. And uh, so, yeah, that being said, heading forward, I could I could see them landing three starters in free agency. Now, I don't know if they're going to be market setters, but the Jaguars now have the money to, in theory, get at least two to three market setters if they wanted to. Um, especially when you look at what's going to be on the books for next year. They they pretty much aren't going to have anybody big time on the roster next year that'll be eating up cap space except for Nick Foles if he isn't traded and we think he'll be traded. So they'll be working with a lot of cap space next year and they probably looking at that. And, you know, it's guys out there like, you know, don't rule out Austin Hooper. Uh, not, not saying I got a source or anything on that, but don't rule out Hooper. He has the connection with the Atlanta Falcons, which Dave Caldwell, we all know he came from that front office. Uh, so he he probably likes a lot of the players they draft over there. Uh, and and maybe Thomas Dimitrov, the GM over there, puts a, a good bug in his ear and say, look, hey, Dave Caldwell will take care of you over there financially. They got the money. They'll take care of you financially. You might have a little need to have a little patience in terms of what they're going to be doing in terms of the rebuild but they will take care of you and set your family up financially uh, for the long term. Uh, he's one. DJ Reader is another guy that comes to mind from the uh, Houston Texans. I would love to snag him, insert him into the defense where Marcel Darius played. And then from that perspective, you're looking at a situation where you don't have to take Derrick Brown in the draft. You know, you can hope Okuda falls to you or trade up for Okuda. It gives you flexibility to where you don't have to spend a top 10 pick on Derrick Brown because you got a veteran that's proven and that can stop the run. So he's another guy, Andrew Billings. If you want to get a cheap nose tackle as opposed to spending a lot of money like you would have to spend on a uh, DJ reader or perhaps a a guy like um, Hargraves, Javon Hargraves from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He costs roughly what DJ reader would cost. But again, the money is there to where it's really not an issue as to what the Jaguars could do with this amount of salary cap that they have. Now, the question is, do these players want to come to Jacksonville? However, if they don't, the Jacksonville Jaguars have some extra money to throw at them like we did to get Malik Jackson here, like we did to get Calais Campbell here, like we did to get AJ Boyer here to make them have second thoughts about that. And again, you know, maybe the fact that Tom Coughlin is gone may register well with these guys because again, like I keep hearing a lot of people say that agents like Dave Caldwell and without Tom Coughlin here, maybe he can entice some of these guys to come there. And then in terms of the draft, you have 11 picks. I think the only team that has more picks than us is the Dolphins with 14. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but you have all of this draft compensation to where you can maneuver up and down a draft. Literally, if you want a guy, you see a guy that's not going to be there again. Jeff Okuda is the one that comes to mind for me. If he, 
does it fall to them at nine or they think he will. They have the compensation now to put maneuver up and down the draft and maneuver in the second round. If they see a guy that's fallen into the second round that was supposed to be a first round pick, they're notorious for that. We've seen it with Cam Robinson. I think they traded up for what, what was it? Allen, Allen Robinson or Marquise Lee or one of them. But it's like literally every year they trade up in the second round. They did it for Juwan Taylor, you know, so maybe that's the thing they're looking at. Maybe they trade up in the third round for somebody, but they have maneuverability in terms of the draft and they have a lot of money to blow in free agency. Uh, so we'll see ultimately where that leads them. Do you think, and from everything that we heard, especially coming out of the combine, it seems like they're ready to go forward with Minshew at least this year, but the conversations out there in the Twitterverse and the Jaguar social media verse are, are happening amongst the fan base. Are, are they in play for one of those quarterbacks after Joe Burrow, meaning Tua, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. I think uh, really probably the only one they would be in range for at nine would probably be Jordan Love. But is I mean, I don't know if you have if you've heard anything on that end, but are they gearing up? This is the kind of ammo you gear up for to move it, move up to get like an Okuda or an Isaiah Simmons or one of these quarterbacks. Do you think they're loading up ammo to try and move up? Quite possibly. You know, like you look like the guys you mentioned, Okuda, I'd say is uh, Simmons, who made a great name for himself. I mean, we weren't surprised that he did what he did in the combine. Uh, but the bottom line is he had such a good combine that the Jaguars probably are going to have to trade up to get him. And then, you know, with the quarterback thing, again, I think that's unlikely. I haven't heard anything on that now, but I'm just saying I believe personally that that's unlikely. But again, you know, me and you. We've been doing this long enough to where we look into every option, every possible option. And I'll go back to what I said in a previous podcast with Trent Balky there. Jalen Hurts feels a lot like Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, maybe they take him and even Justin Herbert in some ways feels like Colin Kaepernick, too. Maybe Trent Balky's putting a bug in Dave Caldwell's ear to like, Trade up for one of those guys. Don't be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's likely. In fact, it's very unlikely. But nobody be surprised if it happened at all. Uh, because, you know, there are questions about Gardner Minshew. Uh, and, and I'm not saying the organization feels this way. It, it seems like they love him personally. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying? Like the Trent Balky effect is something that I'm, I'm still kind of mindful of. Uh, when looking at how he built the San Francisco 49ers when he was the general manager. Right. Just something that, you know, I wanted to throw out there because the, the conversations are going to happen, you know, especially with, you know, with, with the team like the Jaguars who there's just so much uncertainty. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something to keep an eye on, but I know I speak for you, Jay, and we kind of said this already. We absolutely wish Calais Campbell the best and thank him so much for everything he's done for the team, both on and off the field. So whatever is next for him, I hope that it, it absolutely uh, ends up being a Lombardi trophy so he can add that to his resume next. But uh, moving on to our last topic here, Jay, and then we will get out of here. And then, of course, we'll have our normal Wednesday episode coming up later this week. Uh, we're going to talk about just very briefly the the new collective bargaining agreement. So the, the players did approve the new CBA 
Uh, it was a vote a lot closer uh, than, uh, well, I mean, maybe we kind of expected this, but it was passed with a total of 1,019 votes to 959 uh, with the majority vote that concluded Saturday evening at 1159 uh, Eastern time. And uh, that pretty much gives us labor peace uh, for the uh, all, all the way up until 2030. Um, that's going to give us an extra game. So they will have a 17 game schedule. That's not going to start until next season, 2021. And also an additional playoff team that is going to get in as well. So now the number one seed in the AFC and NFC are the only teams that will have a bye. We will have, uh, and then we'll have six playoff teams playing Wild Card Weekend. Um, we also got some added benefits for uh, for retired players, as well as a, a bigger cut of the pie for players in general. This really benefited the the middle you know i guess the 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 bulk of the the league is the way that i can put it now a lot of the bigger stars this doesn't really help them too much which is like why you probably saw a lot of guys like the pounces and aaron Rodgers and richard sherman those kind of guys talking and then speaking out against this and um you know one uh, some other news that came out here today this was from marlon humphrey's twitter from the cornerback and now teammate of the of Calais Campbell on the Baltimore Ravens is about 500 players didn't even vote. And when you talk about, you know, a, a process where it came down to about 60 votes, that's pretty surprising to me. A lot of players speaking out about that pretty upset um, when it came down to it. So, Jay, just as far as the CBA in general, how do you feel? And, you know, are you happy that at least we're getting this labor piece for the next decade? Um, but what do you and also what are your thoughts around, uh, you know, this number of players that didn't even vote? Yeah, man. And in terms of the players that didn't vote, you know, that was shocking. I, I didn't see that. I didn't catch that. But uh, definitely, you know, with, with something of this magnitude, you know, you would think the players would want to vote towards it because, look, man, you're deciding your labor agreement for the next 10 years. You know, that's an opportunity that you need to jump on and affect if you can. It w- what, regardless of to what side you take, whether you voted yay or nay on it, you know, it's, it's just such an important thing to uh, the rest of your life. Well, then again, maybe some of those players didn't feel like they were going to be in the league long or had a chance in the league, or maybe the NFL uh, isn't something they see in their future. Maybe that had to do with it, but still, nonetheless, uh, if you blow up as a player and 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 you have the opportunities and, and teams are interested in you and want to pay you this money, you know, this is something you might reflect back on and look back on and say, hey, maybe I should have had a, a, a say in that process, that voting process. So, yeah, like you said, though, it does feel like a lot of the players that make a bulk of the money are the ones that don't like this as opposed to, you know, the middle class players and the players that don't make uh, you know, that make minimum wage or a little bit above minimum wage. You haven't really heard from them in, in terms of, tw- and th- a lot of it is because they aren't as popular as like the Richard Shermans and the Aaron Rodgers of the world too. A lot of that, but you haven't heard a lot from them, but I'm sure if we did hear from them, they would be okay with the deal. And they're the ones that are fine with it. And of course the retired players, the guys that we've forgotten about, uh, they're probably fine with it as well. But again, not as popular on Twitter as, your Richard Shermans and the Pounces and all of these guys and Tom Brady. So you probably won't hear much from those guys. So you can understand why like the, the veteran players wouldn't want to uh, play under the deal too. And another key part of this is with that extra game feel, you know, I think the salary is capped off at like 250 K. So those guys won't receive a full paycheck for that extra game. So it feels like, I guess in their opinion, they're doing more work for less, at least for that period. So, that, that probably played a big role into it. Uh, however, the deal is done. 
Uh, we'll see how over time they like it because with the last CBA, you know, we, we've said it often, you know, it's been times where the players have complained about the last CBA, uh, most notably the training camp structure and the training camp work. So we'll see how they end up liking it. It already looks like a lot of the main guys aren't going to like it, but you know, I guess we could better judge this situation three to four years down the road, but only time will tell how they ultimately feel about it. Yeah. And it's just so hard for, especially with a league like the NFL and, you know, some, some people like to say, well, you know, look at what basketball is doing, look what baseball is doing, look what hockey has done, but it's just so difficult. And, you know, in a locker room that has so many voices and, and uh, you know, it just, it, it is kind of, it is kind of baffling to me that they did get this 17th game in with no extra bye week and this extra playoff team. Now, you know, it, that seems kind of strange, I, you know, that it does seem counterintuitive to how the NFL has just been preaching player safety for the last few years now. And then now they're going to add on this additional game. You know, I can definitely see how players can be pretty upset about that. But yeah, just the fact that so many of them didn't even vote. And like you said, Jay, those may be some of the, some of them may be players that don't even feel like they're going to be in the league in a few years. And they may not just, they just don't care. Honestly, they're, they may already be looking ahead to their next job, whatever that may be, whether it is in and out or in or out of football. And that may be, what it came down to, but uh, ultimately, you know, this is good for at least the fan because they don't have to worry about any kind of interruption as far as the the play, you know. Um, but uh, like you like you said, a good good opportunity will be to judge this in another few years and see how they feel about it then. But uh, moving on, or actually, Jay, I think you did have one more thing to add on before we close out. Yeah, with a league with as many players as you have in the NFL, and you know, we're talking upwards of fifty players per team. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be hard to find that common ground in the middle in terms of the players, in terms of a collective bargain agreement where all of the players necessarily uh, agree on. You know, it's just going to it's not I don't know if that's a achievable thing. And, and yeah, like you said, with the whole 17 game thing. Yeah, that's odd that they couldn't get an extra bye week in there, because one thing I was reading is that really affects the rookies. Right. Because the rookies, think about it, especially if you're a, a coveted rookie, a first round pick rookie. Josh Allen actually talked on this. You don't really have an offseason at that point if you're going by this this format that they have now, because you go straight. If you're good enough, you're going to the senior bowl. Uh, then there's training. Then there's the combine. Uh, then you got to do rookie mini camp after you're drafted. Then there's uh, OTAs. Then there's regular training camp then there's the season that's a whole year's worth of you know putting in the work in, in terms of not really having that many breaks throughout the year so for them this is really going to be stressful and and I guess you know what I'm saying time will tell uh how another thing is how teams handle I know they got more players that they could put on the roster now but how teams handle this many games because it's it's hard to make it through the season healthy with us, you know what I'm saying, with the rosters as they were with 53 men. Add another game in there. It's like at some point you gotta weigh where you can where you can kind of tone it down in the season, I guess, if you will. And and this, that, and the other for some coaches, you know, it gives the coaches a lot to think about too. But I guess ultimately we'll have to see how this plays out in the end. We'll talk about it in what, 10 more years in, in 2030, uh, and look back at it. Right. So, you know, we'll see how it affects 
the you know the Jaguars going into the new league year. So, um, but you know, as mentioned, you know that's that's pretty much it for this week's episode or for this special episode. Of course, we'll still have our episode on Wednesday that Jay and, and I are very t- excited to talk about. We'll dive into the front office as well as free agency and talk about what we feel like the Jaguars may do going forward. Uh, before we do close out, of course, want to mention one more time: you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, and of course at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Um, if you are interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com or just reach out to Jay and I uh, directly and uh, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. And one of the best ways to enjoy the show is to make sure you subscribe and rate, uh, give us a five-star re- review on Apple Podcasts. So Jay, we're going to get out of here, um, but really quick, um, you know, as far what do you got for them? content-wise on the website in a little bit of a quieter time, you know, in the sports world. Yeah, with Jags, where I'm going to be doing some takeaways for the day ends. Again, it's uh, March the 15th. Takeaways from the Calais-Campbell trade. Hopefully, we could get this podcast up tonight on the site as well and on Believe. Then after that, I could just really focus on free agency in terms of what the Jaguars need to address and uh, who who are some guys they should target this that and other especially now that they got more compensation in terms in terms of salary cap they got more money that's available at least uh, so we'll look into that and look man you have to think they aren't done so they'll give us plenty to talk about in terms of maybe making another move before the new league year or a little bit afterwards uh, so it's gonna be a fun time as you said Monday we got the free agency episode coming up. Uh, we're going to take on the daunting task of being Dave Caldwell and Trent Balky and all of those guys. God bless our hearts and, and pray for us. But we're going to try and fix this team to the best of our abilities, Phil and I. And uh, we'll have that episode up for you all on Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, just stay tuned. That's right, folks. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Most importantly, from Jay and I, you guys stay safe, take care of yourselves and your family, wash your hands, most importantly, and don't buy toilet paper that you don't need, okay? Stop hoarding toilet paper. But again, this has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe, do you? We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.